Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off of the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Helen Nguyen, CEO and co-founder of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Today, I want to say we have a guest, but she's not really a guest anymore. She's been a regular on our podcast. She's become such a, an inspiration to me and someone I just love dearly. We don't get to hang out as much as we do, right, Adiola? No, we really should hang out more. <laughs> we need, yeah, we need to go have dinner and have a you know, bottle of wine. I was just going to say a glass of wine. We should have a bottle of wine <laughs> and just chill and hang out and just love you dearly. And thank oh, you so much for coming back. I love you too. Thank you for having <laughs> me. And today we're going to be picking Dr. Adiola's uh, brain about how to take control of your health when you go to a doctor's office. Being someone personally that is very direct, pretty pretty opinionated, right, folks? Uh, that Take that with a grain of salt. And and someone that I want to say, when I walk into a, a, a room, I, I like to be in control. But I find myself in my, my 20s relinquishing that control when I walked into a, a doctor's office because they're the doctor. Mm -hmm. They know, they're the expert. And we find ourselves now at 3W really empowering women to take control of the conversation when it comes to their their healthcare. And I, I feel like not being not ever being a patient of yours, I just know that you would want your patients to feel empowered when they walk through your your office, right, Adiola? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we wanted to just touch base on why it's important for you to be your own best advocate when you walk into a doctor's office. And yes, they are the experts in their field, but if something doesn't fit right, if doesn't something doesn't sound right or sit right in your gut, to trust that gut feeling. Absolutely. And to really push back and challenge them and their data or, or whatever it is that they're showing you or pushing on you to do. Mm -hmm. Because medical care needs a partnership. Medical care is all about full medical consent, right? We talk a lot about that. And so I just wanted to pick your brain on how you approach that and, and have some questions for you. So Sounds good. Yeah. In general, how confident do you think people are taking control of their own health care when they come to a, to your office and your experience? It varies. Okay. It definitely varies. Some people come very educated on conditions they've already been diagnosed with or have experience with and are looking for a specific type of advice. Okay. Other people are just realizing that they're dealing with new symptoms and have no idea what's going on or are looking for a fresh perspective mm -hmm. and a direction to move forward in. Mm -hmm. So it definitely varies based on their experience in the medical system. You know, okay. if they've had experiences before where they felt out of control and they mm -hmm. didn't like it, then they might come very well equipped with questions and are good 
chronologists, I'd say, of their health over time and be really prepared with past records and things like that. But if they're new to seeking help, then often they don't feel as empowered and are really, like you're saying, relinquishing a lot of that mm -hmm. control and expertise to the doctors. But doctors are people too and yes. have have a lot of background, have a lot of information, have a lot of experience, have seen a lot of people with similar concerns. But really do require consent, but mm -hmm. a collaboration with patients if you want to go far. If you want to go, if you want to <laughs> go far, go together. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. If, and otherwise you cannot go alone. So I think if you want to go far and figuring out what's going on in your health, then you want to link arms with a provider. So it, yeah. it, it definitely varies. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it distracting to you as a medical provider when people come in with like their own research would you prefer if someone came in kind of like a blank slate and i mean kind of kind of knowing what they're talking about but not bringing like a pile of research and like <laughs> let's let's uh go through this textbook together kind of stuff would you say that that kind of throws you off or it depends in which spirit it's done okay right so if someone yeah. comes to the doctor and they believe they know all the answers already they've done all the research and what they want is a prescription yeah then it's hard, I think, as a provider to feel like you're collaborating much with that person. Yeah. So I think it helps if you're coming to get an opinion and to benefit from a doctor's expertise. Yeah. But you are well-versed in some of the background that you have been experiencing. You've mm -hmm. answered some of your questions with information. Or you want to verify that some of the information that you have is actually correct and applicable to your situation. Because sometimes okay. people get the idea that what they read or what they've been told or what their cousin has or yes. uncle has <laughs> is absolutely what they have too. Yes, I and, love that. <laughs> and this is what their uncle, cousin, auntie, sister did. Yeah. So this is what they want to do too. Or this is what they're expecting from care. So yeah. coming with that open mind yeah. to to work together with the doctor makes a difference. That makes a lot of logical sense. <laughs> <laughs> what types of questions should people ask when they see their doctor? Like how how do you set the groundwork for that type of collaborative partnership in your healthcare? How do you how do patients ask effective questions that isn't offensive, you mm -hmm. know? Essentially they're an expert in their own body because they're living in that it, in that issue 24-7. Yes. But how do you present it to a medical professional in a way that's still respectful but also challenging? Yes. I think it's really important to take stock of your experience before you go into the doctor mm -hmm. because that's what the doctor is going to be wanting to figure out for most of your visit. And you don't usually have a long time with a doctor, right? So yes. maybe you have like 10 or 15 minutes and yeah. they're going to be asking you what we're taught in medical school is like the seven attributes. So when did it start? How long has it been going on? Mm -hmm. What makes it better? What makes it worse? So if you have a lot of that already and you've reflected on it, then you can expedite the process of getting that information. And then mm. the doctor can go through their Rolodex of, okay, it's been around this long. These are some of the symptoms. It could be X, Y, and Z. Okay. So you can get to that point faster. And yeah. then it's important to ask your doctor for options, right? So if they think it's this condition mm -hmm. and this is how they like to move forward, well, it's like, okay, what makes you think it's this condition? Mm. Like what are, what in what I have said has pointed you in that direction exactly. And then yeah. see if that lands as far as a diagnosis for you. And I think that's fair to, 
to ask. You know, mm. you've given good information. Yeah. You've been complete and comprehensive in sharing your the, the history of this present concern. Mm-hmm. So you can ask why. Why do you think that's the diagnosis exactly? You yeah. know, how do those two things line up? And, and it's it, appropriate to ask why. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So if you say... I've been losing hair, I'm really tired, and my appetite is low. It's been going on for six months, ever since I had my baby. Yeah. And the doctor says, I think you're anemic. Ah. You have uh-huh. low iron. And yeah. then you could say, so what is it about what I said that makes you think that's anemia? Because yeah. I still feel strong. You know, I'm tired, but I'm not that tired. And you can just figure out how they got to that place, mm-hmm. you know? And then if that diagnosis kind of lands with you, if you feel like that's right, or if you, it's open to moving in that direction with the doctor as far as the treatment plan, yeah. then ask what your options are for treatment too. Yeah. So some doctors are really quick to prescribe medications right away. You can say, well, are they, for example, foods that I could eat that would increase my iron? Mm-hmm. Or I've heard that eating with a cast iron pan or cooking with a cast iron pan can increase elemental iron. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. If you yeah. know that. If you don't know that, then you can say, do I have some options? So thanks for this prescription. Yeah. Definitely look into it. But are there any other options that might help us get to the same goal or a similar goal? Yeah. Yeah. Or if it seems like something that is not a sustainable path for you, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that, you know, someone says we're going to put you on this medication for eight months or a year. Mm-hmm. You can ask, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can stay on this for eight months for a year. I've been on iron before and it was really, really difficult for my digestive system, for mm-hmm. example. It can mm-hmm. cause a lot of constipation. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned that that would be a problem then. And then yeah. you can say, do you have a type that might not cause those symptoms? Or, yeah, are there different options to this specific prescription if it doesn't work well for me? You know, Mm -hmm. things that I can look into. So just continuing to ask questions and staying curious makes a big difference. Do you think, this is a little sidebar, but do you think there is a culture of over-prescribing medication in the medical world these days? I do think so. It depends on the doctor or prescriber that you're seeing. Yeah. A lot of times with conventional medical care, that is basically the algorithm, right? So Mm -hmm. I got the information, I have a diagnosis or a working diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and here are the medication options that we go from here. And it's very efficient if you Mm -hmm. have very little time to work with people. You need to go through that. And it requires a lot of skill and practice to be able to do that quickly. Mm -hmm. And I commend every doctor who does that every day with so many patients. Yeah. But often it can be just a knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, here's the diagnosis. Here's the medications. We'll start with this one on the list because it has the least side effects. Mm -hmm. And we'll go from there. You know, thank you. And if you Mm -hmm. have another concern, make another appointment. Yeah. So that is an efficient way to practice in the paradigm that most doctors are practicing in. Yeah. And not every doctor is well-versed in alternatives to pharmaceuticals. Yes. And that is not entirely their fault. Um, Lots of doctors can educate themselves in alternatives to drug therapies. Sure. But the standard of care is pharmaceuticals, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that does happen often. But I think Mm -hmm. it's also, as a patient, fair to ask, like, do you use any alternatives to pharmaceutical therapy mm-hmm. or if you're prescribed something are there any alternatives to this that is not a pharmaceutical and see if yeah. your doctor has something like that the other thing you might want to do if you're going to a new doctor yeah is to see if they'll do a meet and greet with you a lot of I doctors love that. i know a lot I of doctors that. 
don't do that. But you can look at reviews Mm -hmm. online. You can talk to their receptionist or whoever you can and Mm -hmm. ask a little bit more about the doctor and his approach. You can look them up online, that kind of thing. Or you can just go for like a test visit and Mm -hmm. go for something like that's not a big deal for you and just get a feel for them. It's usually just a few minutes anyway. And then decide if you want to establish care. You don't have to establish care with every doctor that you see. Exactly. You can get uh, just a little you know, tester visit yeah. and see yeah. if you, you can collaborate, ask lots of questions, see how they handle those questions, sort of mm-hmm. like a date, an interview, mm-hmm. yeah. and then see, see if it fits, right. see if it matches your value system, right? Mm-hmm. Are they able to to honor your values and some of your decisions? Are they the kind of doctor? I actually had a meet and greet yesterday, and the woman was coming to meet me because she wanted to make sure that I would be a doctor who respected her her values and the values mm. of her family. And I had to ask, Aww. have you had an experience in the past where that didn't happen? And she said, yes, she felt very judged for her choices and mm-hmm. she wanted to maintain her autonomy and making choices for her family. Yeah. And I let her know that that's absolutely fair, mm-hmm. absolutely fair, and you're right. And that as a practitioner, I would let her know if I disagreed with something, but obviously the final decision is hers. Right. And, you know, as a practitioner too, if I give advice that a patient doesn't want to take, then I need only to document it right. and to impress upon them that this is my medical opinion. And they're always welcome to get another opinion for sure. Right. But it's never a doctor's role to shame, to browbeat, to intimidate mm-hmm. um, a patient because mm-hmm. these these are people who need help and came to us for help. Right. I think you can refer them or you can ask for a referral for a mm-hmm. second opinion maybe. Mm-hmm. That might not feel very nice for your provider to yeah. hear. Yeah. But or you can go and look for one if it doesn't seem appropriate. Mm-hmm. But again, there needs to be that therapeutic relationship and that's something yeah. that's very important for both the doctor and the patient and very very important to me too. I love that you touched on you know, coming in and interviewing your your potential medical provider, looking at the facility. That's something I always, always really try to encourage our patients. If they just heard about us from a friend, come and check it out themselves, mm-hmm. right? Walk through our facility. We're more than happy to give you a tour. We're more than happy to do like a, you know, all of our appointments are up to an hour, but we can do half an hour and just so that you can just meet one of our medical providers and it looks like and it sounds like something that you do as well and that's why I love you so much um that's a whole nother topic but um but another that, podcast yeah <laughs> we'll just have a podcast about how much we love each other <laughs> and you need to all listen to it that's right um, but I love that because it makes a big difference and I think as women when we come into a, a space like m- when we're looking for medical care it's intimidating and it's it's vulnerable. We're in a vulnerable mm-hmm. position. And just knowing that the space was, you know, had had us in mind or the cleanliness of the space, the friendliness of the staff, mm-hmm. how they do they ask you how how the appointment went? Did they give you an exit survey? Like all of those things really matter because that patient experience helped build relationship and trust and collaboration. And that's so important. So please take us up on it. If you ever wanted to go to Dr. Adiola or 3W, we would love the opportunity to just show off what we can offer. And that's, and then it's up to you if you want to give it a shot or not. But you know, the examples that you gave also brought up a lot of examples of like, you know, I've always been so candid about my infertility. And through the years of going going to medical professionals that wanted to just put a 
band-aid over the problem or I remember a medical professionals I've gone to I think I've gone to six different doctors to figure out what what was wrong with me I remember there was one doctor that says she she suggested that I do some this procedure and I said no that that doesn't really fit with my values and I was really upfront with what I wanted to do and what I don't want to do and she, I remember her saying Wow, beggars can be choosers. Wow. Yeah. I remember <sighs> I remember her saying that. And it was so hurtful. Yes. It was so hurtful. I was such a you know, wanting to be a mother was like everything I wanted. And was it was like mentally hurtful, spiritually hurtful, emotionally hurtful, all of that stuff. And I didn't even know what to say. I was so caught off guard that someone could say that and treat me like that, you know? I got in my car and I called their, <laughs> I called their, de, you know, their HR department and just spilled my guts about how disrespectful this person was to me. But I just thought about like all the women before me or after me that she would say that to. Oh my goodness. Right? Like beggars, wow, beggars can be choosers. It's a, oh my gosh. <laughs> that can is you? so devoid of compassion yeah. and empathy. And it's just rude. Like yeah. saying that to anybody at any time in right. any situation yeah. at all yeah. is rude, is yes. incredibly rude yeah. and unacceptable. When I say unacceptable, I mean that patients should not accept that. Yes. Yeah. You did the right thing. You reported them and yeah. I'm sure you sought another doctor. Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. I did. I, it took me a while to get to finally a person that I felt listened, you know, to just, hey, I just want to be up front. I've gone through the system. Yeah. I've gone through, I know what I'm talking about when I've done this, 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 and this. I need something better. Yeah. I need you guys to do better. Yep. And I finally landed on a physician that was like, okay, let's do something different. Mm -hmm. Or I remember going to another medical professional and being talked down to. He literally said to me, I have a degree in medicine from a university and I'm going to educate you now on why you're wrong. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> still, Here we go. I know. It still makes my blood boil thinking about him. Girl, I know. <laughs> he literally had the audacity to say that to me. Again, yeah. in any scenario, <laughs> that is the wrong thing yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. I know. And I was like, I too have a degree from a university. Thank you very much. You know, like, but... You know, all that to say, like, Yikes. my next question was about, like, cultural differences. Mm -hmm. Being a South Asian woman, Vietnamese, I I feel like someone in my community would take who's not that might not have gone to a university or might not have been educated like like I've had the privilege to be. Gosh, that would have been so, yeah. so rude, so unprofessional and so dismissive. Mm -hmm. How have you seen just cultural differences that folks come through your door and how they approach medicine? And what would you what would you encourage them to do or say to include their cultural preferences and values into the conversation? I think it's unusual for people from different cultural backgrounds, especially where people revere experts as authorities yeah. and are expected in their culture to be a little bit more subservient. Mm -hmm. I think it's rare for them to come in with the attitude that we're talking about, right? But I do think it's important to note that you don't have to be different to see a provider or to expect 
um, compassionate care. Mm -hmm. So I think if that's the culture you come from, Mm -hmm. that is fine. And Mm -hmm. if you are treated poorly and you don't feel comfortable speaking up about it, you can simply not return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And take note and tell everyone you know. (laughs) Because that's within your right and within your power. Yes. Yes. You can let people know that that doctor treated you in a way that was uncomfortable. Yeah was rude, was unprofessional, mm-hmm. if you don't feel comfortable telling them for whatever reason, yeah. you can keep other people safe from that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. something that providers might miss out on yeah. if they're not being culturally sensitive. When they right. know someone is from a culture that might not speak up, that might not ask a lot of questions, Right. that's when as a provider you can ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Does this all make sense? Does mm-hmm. this sound like I'm on the right track based on what you've told me? Is mm-hmm. it something that would work for you as far as a treatment plan? What is your schedule like and how often do you think you can? You have to ask people to make sure that you're on the same page with them if they're mm-hmm. not the type of person. And that can be across cultures too. Some people are just more sure. reserved. Sure. Um, but if you know they come from a culture that is is more reserved, then it's on the provider to yeah take those steps to make sure they feel heard and Mm -hmm. seen and a part of their own care team. Mm -hmm. And that's something you've, you learn through school, right? Like that's something that, do you think that's emphasized at all in the medical community? Perhaps you're told to do those things and maybe you have training, but with anything, it takes practice. Yeah. It takes a muscle that you need to exhaust. Yeah. to And honestly, I feel like providers really need to have their own spiritual practice so that they can show up in service because I think it's easy, especially when you see a lot of patients or you see maybe the same type of patients if you have a specialty, Mm -hmm. to start to see them as kind of like a blur. Like, okay, all I see is, for example, fertility patients and this is what they're coming in with and there are a few ways they'll present and this is what I do. And the brain needs to categorize. So that makes us efficient when we can categorize. But we have to remember as providers that these are unique human beings with unique stories, Mm -hmm. even if they're similar to other stories, this person is having an experience and they're coming to you for help. Right. And more than your degree and education, (laughs) they want your compassion. They want to know that they're talking to someone who can help them. And anyone who goes to a doctor is in a vulnerable position, even Mm -hmm. if they come in with stacks of research and and laundry lists of medications. These are people coming to you for help. How do you treat people who are coming to you for help? You need to be in a mental, emotional, spiritual space where you can receive them. So Mm -hmm. I think providers really need to put that in the forefront of their minds, our minds, so that we can show up in service. And I mean, you don't have to be the most brilliant provider all the time to effectively help a patient. People are experts in their own experience. So Mm -hmm. if you listen, and I was taught this in school, if you listen long Mm -hmm. enough and attentively (laughs) enough, people will tell you exactly what they need. Yeah, And you have your experience of seeing lots of people with lots of different presentations of these and so many issues, sure. Mm -hmm. And that will Mm -hmm. inform how you move forward. But people will eventually tell you exactly what it is they need. And sometimes it's just a listening ear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's an alternative. Sometimes it's something just to get rid of this pain and discover quickly Mm -hmm. and then to move on from there. And you can, Mm -hmm. if you don't know that by the end of an interview with a patient, you can just ask, what would be the most important thing that I could do for you today? Yeah. Yeah. If you left this visit now, 
what would make you feel most satisfied in your interaction here? Mm-hmm. What can I do for you that'll make you feel like you got the most out of this experience? Yeah. And people will tell you, I yeah. really need an alternative to this medication I've been taking. It's been really, really hard on my body. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we will do that. And if you do that, 100% of the time, people will be satisfied with their experience. Yeah, because they were heard. They were heard. And you yeah. asked specifically. Yeah. And I think to honor that patients, most people don't even want help, <laughs> right? Most people are like, and but they're coming to you and asking for help and honoring just that process, yeah. that that vulnerability and that ability to self-reflect. Wow, I need help and I need someone else else's opinion to guide me to influence to affirm to not affirm you know whatever it is right and i think that's so important to give you yourselves as patients like a pat on the back of like Mm -hmm. hey you're you're trying to take charge of your health care in a very active way and you're turning to someone that's an expert in the field but it doesn't also mean you relinquish all control it means you've made this first step to getting healthier, to getting spiritually healthy, to getting mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's so, that's amazing and awesome. And we should honor that. Yes, so. absolutely. And yeah. I think two patients need to remember that they are an active participant, right? I've had patients who come and I'll give them some options on things we can do. And they'll say, well, I'll just defer to you, to you and your expertise. I'm like, okay, great. Here are your options. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it makes a difference when you have that sense of autonomy and how you're moving forward. So then you don't one day say, well, you know, I saw this doctor and they said I had to do this and I just kind of deferred to them. It's like, well. That doesn't feel good. No. You have a responsibility too and it's okay to take ownership of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful last note to leave this podcast is is you have the ability to influence your health along with experts in the field, along with the resources and that that are at your fingertips, actually. So please take advantage of that. Please go see Adiola. She's just amazing. I'm just going to be her patient so I can just come and hang out with her in her <laughs> office. But that's that's something that is a a pattern here at 3W as well. It's it's on the same wavelength as how Adiola practices. And I, I'm so, like I said, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air when we can meet a medical professional that gets it, that gets us and actually puts it into practice. So take charge of your your healthcare, walk alongside your physicians and, and medical professionals out there and be your best advocate. Thank you so much, Adiola. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Until next time, folks, thanks for joining us. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more information about the services we provide, book an appointment, or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you like this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well.